0: Hey guys, this week's podcast is the second half of a talk I gave for the family narrative in 2019 called creating a business that feeds your soul and your family. If you missed the first half, I recommend you pause this and go back to episode 38, because if you don't, the vocabulary that I use in the rest of this podcast might be a little hard to follow. During that first episode, I told you about the three photography business models that generally work and the three that generally fail. And at the end of that episode, I told you that all you need to do to attract and maintain a loyal, happy client base is to first get 100% clear and consistent about who you are, who your clients are or should be, and what it is that you offer. Then after you've figured those things out, you use your answers to guide all of the decisions that you make about your business. But there's a lot to unpack there. So today we're going to break down the how. In a world screaming loudly about what we should be doing, how do we figure out what we truly want and need and then turn that into a thriving business? After you listen today, be sure to go to the show notes for today's episode to grab the freebie. I've got some example numbers in there along with a series of exercises that will help you work through this process on your own. And you can find all of that at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash podcast 040. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it and I can show you how. feeling when you're trying to screw a lid onto a bottle or a nut onto a bolt and the threads just won't line up and sit right? Not only is that misalignment frustrating, it also means your bottle is going to leak or the nut and bolt won't function properly. Well, the same goes for your business. When it's misaligned, you can feel that there's something off. Even worse, so can your prospective clients. A misaligned business is vulnerable to failure because the misalignment prevents it from functioning properly. Today, we're going to talk about the five major areas of business that you need to align to create that perfect fit, that smoothly aligned system that works for you. And I call those areas the five P's because they stand for your preferences, your parameters, your products, pricing, and policies. And if all five of those P's make sense together, if they're aligned with one another, your business is going to be set up for success, presenting an enticing and cohesive set of solutions to your ideal clients. So first, let's talk about preferences. Examining and listening to your preferences is what will help you design a business that makes you happy, a business that you love to run. And that seems pretty obvious and easy, right? But it's not. Look around you. Photographers everywhere, people from all kinds of backgrounds who live in different areas and serve different populations, so many of them post strikingly similar photos and run strikingly similar businesses. How is that possible if people are really being true to their own preferences? The truth is that most people never get really honest with themselves about what makes them happy because they don't trust their own instincts. Instead, they look around and try and decipher what they think other people want or just try to emulate what they see other photographers doing. I put preferences first on this list because they really should be considered first. One of the quickest routes to burnout is trying to be something or do something that isn't authentic to who you are and what your artist self wants to put out into the world. And the important thing to remember about preferences is is that they're not static, so they need to be revisited periodically. If you're brand new, you may have ideas about what you're going to prefer and what you're going to be good at, but you're almost definitely going to find that these change or at least become more refined as you go. So it's good to check in, let's say once a year or so, to see what's working for you and what isn't. In the workbook that I put together to go along with today's episode, you'll find an entire page full of questions about your preferences. And whether you're new to business or have been in business for years, I think answering those can help you achieve some clarity. Just remember, it's your business, no one else's. So these really need to be your preferences. Don't be distracted or influenced by what you think will work. What other photographers do or what you believe clients want isn't really relevant here. Just be honest with yourself. The second thing you need to do when evaluating your business is take a good look at the parameters you're working with. Your parameters include three major categories, your time, your resources, and your money. Your time is the time that you have to dedicate to your business, as well as the amount of time that it takes you to do your work. Your resources include the obvious stuff like your equipment and your studio or your office space, but they also include your special or unique talents and abilities. Like, maybe you're a doula, and that's a really big selling point to your birth or newborn photography clients. Or perhaps you're a well-respected fine art photographer, so you're able to charge extra just for your brand name. Or maybe you're the queen of wall gallery design, and you sell packages that include complimentary design consultations for your clients. Regardless, putting together a list of your resources is a good thing, And maintaining that list will help you make sure that you're taking full advantage of all of your resources. Because once you have that list, you can then go back and check each item to see how it fits into your business model. And again, the workbook that you can download in the show notes will give you lots of examples to consider. So you've got your time and your resources. And then the third corner of the parameters triangle is money, which we all know is everyone's favorite subject. (laughs) And I know I've said it before, but understanding your numbers will put you in a far better position than most of your peers in the industry. This is something I see way too many people struggling with, at least in part because they believe that their confusion about the money side of their business would be somehow looked down on by other business owners and photographers. But I am here to tell you that having talked to tons of people in this industry, including plenty of people who've been in business for years... Not having a full grasp on the financial part of your photography business is actually more common than the alternative, and that is such a shame. Understanding your finances will at minimum eliminate the fear of the unknown, even if it means that you have to make some changes. Knowledge is power. So if you can understand the three main parameters in your business— Number one, the time that you have to dedicate to your business and the time it takes you to do all the tasks in your business. Number two, the resources that you have at your disposal and can leverage to make your business stand out. And number three, the money that you want or need to be making in order to be profitable. If you can understand those three things, you'll be able to create a business plan that actually works. Rather than trying to retrofit a business plan that might not work for you, and make it somehow mesh with your preferences and parameters. So once you've got your preferences and parameters all spelled out, what comes next? At this point, you probably have a relatively clear idea about which business model is going to work best for you, the unicorn, the workhorse, or the donkey. And that information gives you a framework on which you can build the rest of your business, which includes your products, your pricing, and your policies. First, let's talk about products. The products you sell need to do two things. Number one, they need to align with your business model. And number two, (laughs) they need to not make you want to stab yourself in the eyeballs. For instance, if your business follows a unicorn model, you need to consider whether you're offering unicorn products. Things like fine art prints, custom framing, high-end albums, and maybe design consultations. If you're selling sheets of wallet prints or worse not selling any products at all that's out of alignment with a unicorn business which should be marked by a very custom all the bells and whistles feel at every turn on the other hand it would be a mistake for a donkey model business to offer things like high-end albums and design consultations unless they were somehow able to automate that process more likely the donkey would offer several low-cost lower margin options but might encourage people to spend more by bundling those options together into collections that feature a discounted price. It's important to remember that either of these models can be profitable. You can make money selling low-cost or high-cost items, but in order for it to work, you have to be sure that your product offerings match your business model and are products and services that you truly believe in and enjoy providing to your clients. Selling something that you don't personally believe in or something that you're not proud of is going to wear on you and it's going to show through to your customers. And if you find that you can't find products that line up with your business model that you truly love, it might be a good indication that you're not paying attention to your preferences and therefore you haven't set yourself up in the right business model to begin with. So next comes the fourth P, which is pricing. Pricing for your products, as well as things like session fees, will also be informed by your business model. And without making this entire podcast about pricing, I'll give you the basics. The more high touch your business model, the larger your markup will need to be on the products and services that you sell. So when you go to McDonald's and get a burger for a couple of dollars, the markup by which I mean the percentage that you pay above what it costs McDonald's to make that burger is quite small. Let's say their cost for the actual ingredients of the burger comes to 50 cents. And then you add in the overhead of that particular store, the money they pay their employees, the money they spend on advertising, all of that money, you add it all together and you divide it by the number of burgers that they sell. And let's say that that comes out to a dollar. And by the way, I am completely making these numbers up, but you get the idea. So in this example, McDonald's spends $1.50 for their burger and they charge you $2. So their markup is 25%. Then you go into a fancy restaurant and you order a steak. So this restaurant isn't a franchise, so they're not buying their products in bulk. The atmosphere is nicer than it is in McDonald's. The staff gets trained for a longer time, etc., The steak itself costs the restaurant $8, and the overhead runs $12. And then they charge $35 for that steak, which is more like a 60% markup instead of a 25% markup. And the reason they need the markup to be higher is because they sell many fewer steaks than McDonald's sells burgers. But here's the thing. People eat out at both of these kinds of restaurants and they implicitly understand that they're getting different things when they choose one over the other. Some people are able and willing to pay for the premium steak dinner experience, and most people will periodically stop by someplace cheap to grab a quick bite to go. No one, though, is likely to go to a restaurant that doesn't make sense to them because what's being offered is out of alignment with their prices. So if you open what appears to be a fast food burger joint, but charge $20 for your burgers without making it super clear what differentiates you from other fast food burger places that charge a fraction of that price, you are going to have a very hard time getting customers. Your burgers may be absolutely amazing, but no one's ever going to know because the cartoonish branding, the lineup at the counter service, and the brightly lit restaurant that smells like fryer oil... All those things tell people that the prices should be much lower. So once they see that $20 burger on the menu, they're going to walk out without even bothering to order. This restaurant is going to fail because it's a dirty unicorn. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, You can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscan'tbethathard.com slash club to sign up. Conversely, if you're serving local grass-fed steaks in a beautiful restaurant, but you're only charging $10 for them, people are going to be confused. Now, they may well come in and eat, but there's going to be a disconnect there between what they're receiving and what they're paying. And somewhere in their mind, that's just not going to make sense. They're going to be thinking, where have you cut corners? Is this really local grass-fed beef? Are you underpaying your staff? Ultimately, even if the food is amazing, your guests aren't going to feel like they've had a fancy dinner if they didn't pay fancy dinner prices. And given that $10 per steak doesn't even cover your cost, it won't be long before you're out of business. This restaurant is going to fail because it is a horny ass. If you run a boutique photography business with only a few clients who receive a premium experience, charging higher prices with larger markups will not only be necessary for you to be profitable, but will also help your clients feel like they're getting that magical unicorn experience most unicorn businesses will charge at least five to six times their cost for every physical item that they sell much more than that in some cases. And they will be at the very top of their local market for the intangible things like their session fees and digital files. Now, if you run a donkey business, what you charge for your services and products will still be profitable, but with smaller margins. Standard markup for a donkey business is only around two to three times cost. So for instance, instead of charging $50 for a print that costs you $5, you might just charge 10 or 15%. And in order to make up the difference for those smaller margins, you'll need more customers than the unicorn business takes on. But that's okay because with lower prices, you're going to be able to reach a much broader audience and you're going to have a much shorter, easier workflow with each client and I feel like I'm ignoring the workhorse (laughs) and I don't mean to do that especially since most of us likely fall into the workhorse category I know I do the workhorse model is just less extreme than the others everything sort of falls somewhere in between and that's true when it comes to pricing as well so as a workhorse your prices for intangible products will fall somewhere in the middle of the market and your markups on physical products will typically be around four to five times your cost. And if you think about all of this objectively, it makes sense, right? So why is it that so many of us as photographers feel bad or guilty charging $50 for a print that we buy for $5 from the lab? Why do we turn that into some sort of moral or ethical dilemma? Like we're gouging our clients. We aren't. This is the way that businesses work. And if we want ours to work, this is part of what we need to understand. Which brings me to the final P, which is policies. Policies help everyone by making expectations hundred percent clear. And by sticking to your policies, you establish yourself as a trustworthy professional, no matter what your business model is, you must have business policies in place. And those policies can be found in lots of places. They're going to be in the FAQs on your website. They're going to be in your contract. You can even create a document called client policies that you give to your new customers. You want to have policies spelled out clearly, and you want to make sure that the important ones are not only seen, but also signed off on. In the workbook that I created to accompany this episode of the podcast, I've created a list of about 20 elements of your business that you need policies for. It's just too long a list to go over here in the episode. But each business is going to need different policies that are specific to their own customers and issues. And one thing that I always encourage my students to do is to create a policy anytime something frustrating happens in your business. Problem clients may be annoying, (laughs) but if you look at them as their own small masterclass in what policies you need to create to make your business better in the future, they can actually be an amazing source of inspiration. I wanna point out though, that even though you need policies, no matter what your business model is, the nature of your policies is going to be different depending on whether you're a unicorn, a workhorse, or a donkey. The general rule is that the more a client is paying, the more they should be able to expect in terms of policies that favor them and their experience. So for instance, If your business is more of a donkey model, your clients aren't going to be given your personal number so they can text you the night before their shoot to ask you for help with outfit choices. But if you're set up as a unicorn business model, you might very well give out your personal number and tell them that they can call you anytime day or night if they have questions or concerns. And again, as long as it's in alignment with the rest of your business, None of these things should surprise people. When someone's getting Honda prices, they don't expect a Lamborghini experience. So let's go over the five P's one more time. We've got preferences and parameters. And when you honestly assess those, they help you figure out whether your business should be set up as a unicorn, a workhorse, or a donkey. And then once you've got your business model in place, you can move on to the next three P's which are products, prices, and policies. And as you create those three things, you will make sure that each of them lines up with your business model. So let's walk through the whole 5P process using my own business as an example. If you're familiar with my story, you know that I originally set my business up very much as a unicorn, but not because I was really assessing my own preferences and parameters. Mostly, I set it up that way because when I started my business in 2010, it just seemed like every educator out there was saying that the only way to make a living as a photographer was to run this very like high-end boutique-y business with in-person meetings and sales consultations and custom wall galleries and all of that, all accompanied by high prices. So that's what I did. And that worked fine for a while because I was truly set up as an aligned unicorn, But then two things happen, one slowly, the other more suddenly. Slowly, over the course of the seven years that I ran that boutique business, I was getting burned out because the unicorn model didn't really align with my preferences. I had several clients that I didn't really feel particularly connected to, people who had money but who were way more focused on photos as like a status symbol rather than as personal art that they actually cared about, And I was getting really tired of the whole in-person sales song and dance. But burnout is one of those things that you can kind of ignore and shove like deep down inside. (laughs) And in retrospect, I can see that that is what I was doing. I was just sort of saying, okay, maybe I don't love this, but it's fine, it's working. The bigger issue and the one that really forced me to reassess all of this happened when I got divorced. And when that happened, my parameters abruptly changed. Suddenly I had less time and I needed more money. And that is a tough combination to work with. So my first thought was to switch my whole business over to an all-inclusive model because I figured that would save me a lot of time, but I found that no one, not even my regular clients who were used to my high prices were willing to pay those same prices for all-inclusive. And in retrospect, that makes sense, right? I was that guy trying to sell the $20 fast food burger because I thought that the burger was amazing so people would be still willing to pay. But the fact of the matter is, it was a dirty unicorn. And what I needed was a really solid workhorse model. Ultimately, that was what led me to develop the Simple Sales System. And after that, my portrait membership. And although my products, prices, and policies Now, fit squarely in the workhorse range. The truth is that those systems have made my workflow more like that of a donkey business. So much is automated without actually feeling automated to my clients. And that donkey workflow is exactly what allows me to show up here on this podcast every week. I run a highly profitable one person family photography business in a mid sized metropolitan area of North Carolina. And this year, in the midst of COVID, I am on track to make more money with my photography business than I ever have before. I am not patting the truth, and I don't say any of this to brag or toot my own horn. I say it to show you what's possible, and to encourage you with all of my heart to chase that, not only for yourself, but for your clients. Because a photographer who can't run a business quickly becomes a photographer who doesn't get to share their talent with the world, and that's a shame for everyone. I have mentioned it several times now, but I really do hope that you'll go grab the download associated with this episode. I've got examples of how different businesses with different preferences and parameters can be creatively structured to be successful. And I've also got a bunch of prompts and suggestions to help you examine your own five P's to see where they might be out of alignment. And of course, if you're unfamiliar with the systems that I mentioned here at the end, the simple sales system or my portrait membership concept. I'd love to teach you about those as well. And you can find links to information about both of them in the show notes, along with the workbook download at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash podcast slash 040. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscantbethathard.com learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.